Hello, I'm your host Gillian Semler. You're listening to Let's Talk, brought to you by CityLets. Let's Talk is a dedicated property show for the world of property letting, investment, legislation, personal stories and much more. If you want to get in touch direct, just reach out. Let's Talk at citylets.co.uk. Today my guest is Carly Stewart, Senior Associate and Solicitor Advocate at Aberdeen Constine. Afternoon. Afternoon. Now, on the 1st of December 2016, the private rented housing panel, PRHP, was abolished and replaced with the new housing and property chamber of the First Tier Tribunal for Scotland. What were the main reasons for the introduction of the First Tier Tribunal? As well as taking over from the PRHP, they also took over lots of functions that were previously handled by the Sheriff Courts. Um, all civil proceedings arising from a tenancy now have to be at the Housing and Property Chamber instead of the Sheriff Court. Um, and they deal with enforcing the repairing standard, uh, setting the terms of a lease if they haven't been written down, challenging rent reviews, um, appeals and applications in relation to letting agents registration. So essentially everything dealing with tenancies is dealt with, pardon the pun, under one roof in the housing right. and property chamber rather than in lots of different bodies. Um, the tribunal was set up along with lots of other tribunals such as the Tax Chamber, Mental Health Chamber, Social Security Chamber, and all of those remove functions from the courts and other bodies um, and have the same idea. The housing cases will be dealt with by housing specialists and experts. Tax cases will be dealt with by tax experts. Um, so that can only be a good thing, having the cases heard by yes. people who work in that specific field. OK, so what falls exactly within the jurisdiction of the new tribunal? Uh, in terms of what used to be dealt with by the Sheriff Court, it's anything, and the wording is, arising from mm -hmm. a tenancy. Um, there are some cases where people have raised in the Sheriff Court and been told it should have been the tribunal, so I think people are still finding their feet. But generally the safest bet is if it relates to a tenancy to raise it, um, raise it at the Housing and Property Chamber of the Tribunal. Um, as I say, they can enforce the repairing standard, review rent, um, review rent assessments, deal with landlord registration and pretty much say anything to do with the, the private rented sector um, and also the regulated rented sector as well. Right. So what, what's the structure of the housing and property chamber? It, the chamber has 116 tribunal members who basically act as the decision makers in applications. Of those, just over half, 64 of them, are legally qualified. Um, the other 52 are called ordinary members. So they might be people who work otherwise in the field, such as surveyors um, and that type of thing. The Housing and Property mm -hmm. Chamber president is a solicitor, Aileen, Divan Aileen Devaney. And Lady Smith, the Court of Session judge, oversees all of the Scottish tribunals. From April 2018 to March 2019, the Chamber received almost 3,800 applications, which was over three times the original projection. How was such an underestimation made? We don't know. Ask the Scottish Government. Right. Um, in fairness to them, the subject matter they have to deal with is vast. There are 51 different types of application that can be made to the Housing and Property Chamber. They cover 12 different Acts of Parliament, um, one key difference between Sheriff Court proceedings and proceedings at the Housing and Property Chamber is that they're free. To raise an action at the Sheriff Court, you would have to pay a fee to the court. Um, at the moment, you don't have to pay a fee for the tribunal, so maybe more people 
might have sought recovery of rent arrears, um, whereas in the sheriff court they might not have wanted to incur the expense that that required. Um, also, people probably felt they needed to instruct solicitors in the sheriff court. Um, a lot of people do in the chamber, but they don't have to. Um, they might be some of the reasons that there was an underestimate, but I don't know. Well, I believe there were a number of legislative difficulties identified in the first few years. So what were these and what amendments were introduced to rectify these procedures? Yes, early in 2019, some changes were made. Um, again, a lot of it was to do with the change from the sheriff court procedure to the Housing and Property Chamber at the Tribunal, um, things like service by advertisement. If you don't know where the tenant has gone or the former tenant has gone and you're seeking rent arrears from them in the Sheriff Court, you can apply to the Sheriff for an order to serve either in a newspaper or by walls of court. Uh, and there wasn't a similar provision um, in the tribunal. So they um, made provision in new rules for service by advertisement. They can advertise on their website if the address of the tenant's not known or former tenant's not known. Um, they made changes also for the tenant's benefit. If a tenant is being sued for rent arrears under court procedure, a tenant can say, OK, I admit the amount's due, but I want to pay by instalments over 12 months. And the courts can do that. The tribunal didn't have the capacity to do that, but new rules were introduced so that that could be done. Um, and also for landlords to be able to amend the sum they're seeking in a payment action. Um, given the time that the application can take, rent arrears have probably increased during the course of the process. So provisions were added to allow the landlords to increase the, the sum that they were looking for a payment order for if rent arrears had increased. OK, well, today we're going to concentrate on eviction applications. So what requirements do these applications have to meet, you know, to ensure that they're not rejected by the chamber president or a tribunal member acting under her delegated authority? So under Rule 8, applications can be rejected um, almost at a first sift. And that's not just eviction actions. It applies to all applications. Uh, the reasons can be if the application is, the wording is frivolous or vexatious. Mm. That's terminology that lawyers are used it to, is. applies to, to court actions. Uh, it can be if the dispute has already been resolved um, or if the tribunal believes that the purpose of the application actually has some undisclosed purpose. So if there's some ulterior motive for raising the proceedings. Um, but the main general one is simply if they have good reason to believe that it would not be appropriate to accept the application uh, is a general catch-all. So quite often for eviction applications, it'll be usually if there's some defect in the notice to leave or the notice to quit, um, if the wrong form has been used, if the wrong notice period has been given, if the ground that's stated on the application form is invalid um, or some technical reason like that. Okay. Well, 2018 to 2019 saw 1,636 eviction and recovery of possession applications received, which understand as 18.4% of these were rejected under Rule 8 of the First Tier Tribunal. So what were the main challenges or pitfalls that contributed to these rejections? We just don't know the reasons. They haven't been given. The statistics were obtained by Aberdeen Considine submitting a Freedom of Information request. So we were able to get uh, numbers of applications received and rejected, etc. But we weren't given any information about the reasons. I would imagine it's probably the sort of things I've described, the notice to quit or the notice to leave not being in the correct form um, or something that would be apparent from the, the first lodging of the papers. Right. 
Well, between 2018 and 2019, 687 eviction orders were granted, which equates to 51% of all eviction applications lodged during this time. Can you inform our listeners how long it takes from application to eviction order and are there any rules in particular that can affect the average time? Um, so to start, we say the, the, for the 50-odd percent that weren't granted, we don't know the reasons for that. Um, once it's made it past the surf first sift, the application might have been successfully challenged by the tenant, um, or in some cases, the tenant might have moved out voluntarily, so the landlord dropped the application. Um, so we just don't know the reasons for those where eviction orders weren't granted. For the ones where orders are granted, um, the timescales that we were given under the Freedom of Information request were from the date of lodging the application to the eviction order being granted. The shortest period was 80 days. The longest period was 459 days. And I presume there was some anomaly or something different or complex about that particular case. Uh, but the figure we were given for the average days was 141 days from the date of lodging the application for eviction to the eviction order being granted. So how does this time period compare then to the previous system? Yeah, so under the new system, in a typical scenario, and the one that we see most often is if a tenant just stops paying rent. Um, so if we assume it's a new private residential tenancy, then the ground for eviction would be three months of rent arrears. There's actually been a, a recent decision on this. It has to be three calendar months. So, for instance, if the tenant misses a payment on the 1st of January, mm -hmm. misses a payment on the 1st of February, and misses a payment on the 1st of March that still doesn't count. It has to be three calendar months yeah. from the first missed payment. So that then takes us up to the 1st of April, effectively. So I think there's been the a lot of misunderstandings from landlords in that scenario, hasn't there? Yes, I, in general, the, the tribunal is new mm -hmm. and the legislation relating to the new tenancies mm -hmm. is new. So I think there is an element of everyone finding their feet and, and getting to grips with all the new rules and procedures. Well, can you walk our listeners through a typical unopposed eviction and the total period of unpaid rent, which I know you've said, but how, like a landlord, how long really can a landlord or agent anticipate under the new regime? Yeah, so going back to that scenario of a tenant who just stops paying rent, um, you need to wait until there have been three months of arrears, um, which I say is effectively almost four months. If on that day you serve the notice to leave, that has a 28-day notice period um, again, the rules provide for an additional 48 hours to allow for service of that. If after that period has expired, your tenant's still there, then lodge the tribunal application. If your application makes it through the initial sift and isn't rejected, the next step is a case management discussion. And quite often the eviction orders are granted then, but not always. There might be a continuation. Um, if it is opposed, there might be an evidential hearing. If it is not opposed, then quite often... If the tribunal satisfied that everything looks in order, then at that point it'll be granted. And to say the average period is 142 days from lodging the application to granting of the order, you then have to wait for the written decision, which might be a few days, might be up to a week at the most. And it's the date of the written decision that then starts the 30-day appeal period. You have to wait the 30 days, even if the tenant hasn't objected and hasn't participated in the tribunal proceedings. You still have to wait those 30 days before you get your final eviction order. 
Then when you get that, you can instruct sheriff officers to serve the eviction order. Um, and 14 days after that, they can carry out the eviction. So adding all of that up, it's about 45 weeks or 10 months mm. from the tenant who stops paying rent till the day the landlord gets their keys back. Yeah, it's, it's a long time. OK, so how does that then compare to the old system? So under the old procedure at the sheriff court, and assuming this time an assured tenancy um, instead of a, a private residential tenancy, again, the grounds was three months of unpaid rent, so that period is going to be the same. The notice period would be shorter, it would be 14 days instead of 28 days. Um, lodging um, an action at the sheriff court, it'd be a summary cause action. Usually it'd be about eight weeks until you get your first calling. And if it's not opposed, the order would be granted then. After the order is granted under the old sheriff court system, you would have to wait for 14 days to get your, your final decree, your final order, as compared to 30 days at the um, tribunal. And then the same 14 days would apply for the sheriff officers to serve a charge for removal and then carry out eviction. So adding all that up under the old system, it was probably in a typical unopposed application about 27 weeks or so just over yeah. the six months. So it's quite a difference. Um, you know, for the landlord, obviously, to, to recover their unpaid rent. What advice, then, would you give to landlords about to embark on the eviction application procedure to ensure it's as swift as possible? Yeah, it's absolutely crucial to get those first steps correct. Your notice to leave, your notice to quit. It will depend what type of tenancy your tenant has, which will be determined by the date they moved in. Um, but the tribunal looks closely at those documents and makes sure that they're all completely correct. Um, and if the tribunal rejects it because there's something wrong with the notice to leave or something wrong with the notice to quit, then it's all the way back to the start of the landlord with a new notice to leave or a new notice to quit. Um, so it's really getting those first steps right even before you're at the tribunal. Right, OK. Well, finally, what's your own personal feedback of the process? Yeah, as I said at the outset, having specialist people making decisions about a specialist subject um, can really only be a good thing. In fairness to the tribunal, they have had exceedingly high numbers of applications and I think we are seeing some improvements in the timescales. Um, what they do well is communicating by email and in that respect they are more efficient than the sheriff courts. I'm still waiting for the day for the sheriff courts to do business by email. Um, in terms of the legislation they're dealing with, it is also right that tenants are given some protection in modern legislation. But what we're seeing is decent, honest landlords really being hit in the pocket. And mm. my own feeling is that something needs to be done to redress the belt balance back that way a little bit. What we're also seeing is lots of landlords, for lots of reasons, but this being often cited as one of them, just leaving the private rented sector. Mm, which is unfortunate. It is. Well, listen, thank you very much, Carly. It was lovely to meet you. Thank you. I'm Gillian Semler. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe to the Let's Talk channel on all the usual platforms, including Spotify, iTunes and SoundCloud, as well as on citylets.co.uk forward slash podcasts. And also let your friends know where to find us. Let's Talk is a dedicated property show providing insight into the world of property letting. More information on today's show can always be found on our show notes along with this podcast. If you want to get in touch, just reach out. Let's talk at citylets.co.uk.